I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Guys, Dr. Santos here, Peds Infectious Disease Doc and Researcher. Hey, everyone. It's your N95 COVID mask of doctors, Dr. Ward, keeping me <laughs> out of the hospital and keeping you guys safe. <laughs> Turning you away at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Checking the clipboard. You're not on the list. Sorry. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> I can see word like a bouncer at the front of the ED, just like bopping his head with like two earpieces in and N95 mask and like aviator goggles on. <laughs> He's like. Uh, Everybody's like holding their hands out, checking the pulse oximeters, and he's like, "No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You fifty fifty percent. Get the hell in here. What are you thinking?" <laughs> the VIP is your negative pressure room. Would the would the champagne room be like the respirators? No, <laughs> so you don't want to be in the champagne room. <laughs> no saws in the champagne room. No saws in the champagne. Room. Well, I know that. Everybody is all thinking and talking about the same thing, and frankly, we're going to be no different, but we're going to have a little bit of fun with it today. Yeah, so. I think we're, we're, we're going to do updates shortly on the new stuff that we learned about SARS-CoV-2, a.k.a. COVID, a.k.a. the coronavirus. A.k.a. <laughs> for some reason, the Rona. The <laughs> we should shout out a bunch of uh, AKA. We want to give this out to the SARS coronavirus, AKA SARS CoV 2, AKA COVID 19. <laughs> we want to call <laughs> AKA SARS classic, or SARS extra spicy. 
Terra Extra Spicy, aka the new SARS, <laughs> aka not so the Black Plague. <laughs> Send us your best. Tweet, tweet us your best, aka uh, for the Rona. We've already covered the history of hand washing with Ignat Semmelweis. We've covered Joseph Lister and his sterile techniques and delicious disappearing breath mint. The ones that would disappear on your tongue. That was so weird, though. As well as William Osler, his cocaine habit, and the invention of gloves. Nobody's um, perfect, Josh. Don't judge. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. I lie. Halstead was the cocaine habit. Osler was yeah. the terrible pra- uh, practical jokes. Yes, Osler was the terrible practical jokes, which seems to run in geniuses. Well, thank he- you, Santosh. Oh, t- <laughs> you are. You're a genius and a prankster. So now that we've covered so many of the universal precautions that we tend to take, I figured we could start getting into a little bit of the history of PPE. Most specifically, masks. Because we wobbled back and forth on that for a while. Do we use them? Do we not use them? Who should use them? And I figured, (laughs) let's go back into why we originally created them. Yeah, and um, for all of you who, you know, if you're waiting for the punchline about what to do nowadays, it turns out that we are worried about asymptomatic carriage, and even the simple non-surgical grade masks actually do stop you from uh, your breath from going too far. It, It does protect, you know, if you're sick, if you're coughing and sneezing, or if you're asymptomatically carrying and you're breathing out, it does stop little droplets from going off too far so right now you know it's cool if you want to go out uh, especially if you're going to see people throw on a you know either a double cloth mask or one of the simple masks Um, but you don't need to go out and get like a respirator or an n95 so that being said let's go back in time if you wear a mask you can kiss a little longer There, Josh, there's a significant portion of our, like, our audience that's too young to know what's going on. Quarantine a little longer. Take a second, pause it, and go Google Big Red Chewing Gum. Come on back. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) A young millennial whippersnapper like myself don't know what you're talking about. That big mask freshness gets right to it. (laughs) Corona goes on and on. Oh, God. but through it, say, say goodbye a little longer. Oh, make it last Rona. a little longer. Okay. The Rona's got Dr. Josh. <laughs> he does. He's got no, the... Uh... Look, look, you guys, I'm handling quarantine really well. Just mm. the other night, I made Corona-shaped meatballs. And, what? And an N95 PETA mask. Did you actually, like, make a meatball and you made little spikes on it? I did, and I'll even share it on the Travel Medicine Instagram, which is a thing I forgot we had. Okay. <laughs> Ward, I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, as you can see, half of our duo is going a little insane. Oh, no, I think we all are in our own ways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. This is fine. So. <laughs> 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 Let's hop in our Wayback Machine. Yeah. 
and head way back to, uh, well, even Marseille in Set Marseille? Marseille? Marseille. 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 In 1720. <laughs> <laughs> During the bubonic plague, <laughs> they show grave diggers and people handling bodies with cloth around their faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going all the way back, because there was an understanding, right, that you could get diseases from bad air, uh, which is part of where malaria came came from. And there was this opinion that if you were if you were breathing in foul smelling fumes, that you could catch whatever was going on. And there so, was no shortage of foul smelling stuff in, <laughs> in, in the well in during the you know during the, the plague times as well as like when we first started building cities sewage sanitation um social distancing <laughs> that was not a thing it was so people even as far back as the bubonic plague knew to cover their mouth and nose just not from maybe the same reasons but despite the cloth masks that you saw in these plague paintings and you can go back and you know even find art from that period and there you go travel to your local art museum virtually and dig up some of the pictures of the bubonic plague, and you'll see people wearing cloth masks around their faces. But the first surgical masks didn't start to appear until 1897. That's right, in the Victorian era. Yay, Victorian era! I'll admit, this is not how I wanted to keep covering these things, but I am really excited that we get to keep visiting it so often. <laughs> well... To be fair, right, you know, there was this explosion of biological and medical science during that time. That's number one. Number two, though, there was a lot of, like, misconceptions and weird habits that are really, really fun to cover. The, the masks, by the way, did not protect you from the bubonic plague. From the pneumonic plague, maybe, but not from the bubonic plague, right? Yeah, uh, so same bug, Yersinia pestis, both ways. But the bubonic uh, plague, Yersinia pestis in its bubonic form, you'd get bitten by a flea. And then that flea, which probably came from a rodent, uh, and then the flea, you'd get a bite, and then it would go through your lymphatic system and create these buboes, which were the big you know they're full of black that if you cut it open you know you'd have all this pus come out but if it got to your lungs then you would have pneumonic plague and you could cough you could cough the yersinia into the air and then you could transmit it from person to person but up until that point where it jumped from rat to human you could only get it from a flea the first surgical masks ever didn't show up until about 1897. And at that point, it really wasn't more than just a glorified handkerchief tied around one's face. You know, like what a couple uh, hospitals have suggested that their healthcare workers wear. Not mine, thankfully. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. In, in case of, hey, we don't have enough stuff for you, which is so weird that we have to say that. Yeah. But these masks were not designed to filter airborne diseases, which to be honest, is still not the point of surgical masks today. They were used to prevent doctors from coughing or sneezing droplets onto wounds during surgery because people, even doctors, are gross. No. 
Yeah, things happen in the OR and, you know, you get sneezy or you get coffee. Um, I'm sure, actually, you can probably tell us a little bit about this uh, ward when, when you have a mask on, especially if you have a mask on for a prolonged period of time, you probably have some coping mechanisms so you don't like cough and sneeze right into your mask. Uh, well, no, the, the mask is meant to, 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 to protect. Well, it's a two-way protection. If you're wearing a, a, um, an N95 mask, then it protects you from inhaling the aerosols. But most of the time when we're asking people to wear these masks, it's so that when you cough, it doesn't cough onto other people. And these masks... Let me tell you, as someone who wears them all day, they start smelling really grungy after, <laughs> after an hour or so. And then you, I just, I chew gum or I, I suck my lips in so the lips don't touch the uh, inside of the, the mask. So you suck your, oh, you like, you purse your lips. Mm. I purse my lips, right. yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan of uh, chapstick because... Yeah, after a while, like, these are masks now that we used to just casually, you know, throw away after a single use, like mask billionaires. And now, we all <laughs> walk around wearing the same mask all day, and they're looking into how to sterilize them to reuse multiple days. And let me tell you, it's it's not a pleasant smell. Yeah. Especially uh, even, if you've... Even you know, after we try to bake it out or whatever it is. Especially if you've had Dr. Josh's coronavirus meatball... <laughs> you may insult my person but never my cooking yeah that's um, actually true <laughs> so what's the difference between a mask and a respirator can anybody tell me Yes, yes, you in the back with the raised hand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave this one to Ward because he's much more familiar with this stuff than I am. Uh, well, apparently respirators create a tight seal, right? Or, 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 <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you, do you think male seals walk around the beach and turn to other male seals and go, yo, that seal's tight? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Santos, don't be ridiculous. Everybody knows that seals are watertight, not airtight. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's a different kind of mask. And just like that, just like seals, masks and respirators are made of different materials. So masks fit fairly <laughs> loosely and prevent droplets from going out, but particles can still come in from the side. Respirators, as Ward said, create an airtight seal, and they actually filter what you're breathing in. And this leads to a couple of those side effects in addition to the grodiness, which we'll get to in a bit. But still in our Wayback Machine... <laughs> In the fall of 1910, a plague broke out across northern China, or as it was called back then, Manchuria. The Chinese imperial court at the time of this plague brought in a doctor named Lian Ten Wu to head its efforts. Imagine him as the imperial Chinese Dr. Fauci. Expanding upon some of these surgery masks that he'd seen us wear in the West, and do yourself a favor check out the link in the show notes to see some of these old-timey masks. They remind me of, like, the Matahari mask or the Silence of the Lambs mask. Uh, you know, Ward Santos, take take a moment to check 
the link, and if you go through the one on SciHub, you can see uh, drawing representations. Oh, oh. Okay. All right. Um, hold on. I'm off the Dannenberg mask. Um, I need to go back. Oh, th so this one doesn't have the ones from China on here. Right. So we're not. Okay. No, this is this is a Western paper. <laughs> okay. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. So okay. One that you could only describe best as belonging on like Sub-Zero or Scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the I mean, to be very, very fair, some of the modern ones do look exactly like that. and It's well, pretty hard to tell. Well, maybe it's because they were in Manchuria. It gets cold as it, it gets cold up there. Even my Chicago's cold. Go to my Manchuria. My favorite is probably the Mellinger mask. I feel like you'd walk around like that feeling like yeah, yeah, because it, it kind of hangs down like that, almost like a veil rather than a mask. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do, do yourself a favor, listening audience, and uh, check it out. But, uh, so, Lian Ten Wu took this idea of surgical masks to cover the face, and he, most of those masks were pretty flimsy, you know, just a single layer of cloth. And he made a much thicker one from gauze and cotton that wrapped securely around one's face. And then he added a couple layers of cloth on top of that to filter it. So he created a two-walled, two to three-walled system, uh, which was pretty impressive and also very warm and uncomfortable to wear. This invention at the time was a breakthrough. Like, this was the very first filtration-style mask. And of course, like all breakthroughs, some doubted its efficacy in the beginning. And... Uh, but unfortunately, it was tied a little bit to racism. Famous? 1910? No. I know. I was shocked, too. It was such a warm and accepting time. But, but you know what? I, I do seem to think that even nowadays, it's 20, it's 2020. And even nowadays, I think like there is still a little divide between, I think, people in Eastern cultures in parts of East Asia, they are just a lot more comfortable with wearing masks. And I think in you know, in the United States, for sure, we're still a little bit hesitant. Well, the context there is that we're only used to seeing masks on those who are sick, whereas um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, in, in most Asian cultures, it's just a common thing that people wear during <laughs> respiratory viruses. Well, um, I will say in India, there's multiple different uses. So you can put it on if you're sick. But we also use a lot of the same types of masks for, as dust masks. Because it is so dusty over there, especially on the roads, people especially who ride um, the tuk-tuk sometimes, and definitely the people who ride mopeds and motorcycles will wear a dust mask in order to protect themselves from inhaling like that volume of dust. So Lian Ten Wu's mask basically was a lot thicker, covered the nose and mouth, and provided filtration. And it looks, if you take a peek at the other source, it looks a lot like wearing a diaper around your face. It's not too different from, you know, kind of what's old is new. And so the improvised mask that has been uh, looked at and kind of now advertised by our Surgeon General here in the United States is a lot like this one, which is a double cloth mask that you can make out of a, a square of cloth like a bandana. Uh, I think Lin Tin Wu might have been on a subway in Shanghai because <laughs> I've seen Instagram pictures of <laughs> People in China. <laughs> you know, there, there is other context here in that 
in the cities that you'd go to in parts of China, they're a lot more densely populated than you'll see here. And in fact, Ward, you're not wrong because China has continued using Wu's design until about 2003. Whoa! Uh, the outbreak of SARS. <laughs> so they they really didn't change a lot from his basic model until they needed something well, better. You know, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I can actually imagine, you know, if you have a double thickness cloth mask like that, it's going to serve the purpose of if you have a cough or a sneeze, you know, or even if you're asymptomatically carrying respiratory viral particles, it'll stop it in that mesh just fine. And it's probably comes in handy for the mnemonic version of the uh, Wow, yes, probably. Yeah, if you have it and you don't want to give it to somebody else, yeah. I think it would be tougher because it but, does have leaks on the top and the bottom to actually prevent you from catching it from somebody else if you were healthy. Lee's mask looked great, and there's a, a very, very well-known incident that popped up in pretty much every single source I found on this where a French doctor who was visiting heard the whole explanation, Dr. Harold Mesny, and uh, Wu explained to the French doctor his theory that the plague is pneumonic and airborne because he was out there doing, you know, the in the trenches work, exploring all over the place. He was frontline, you know, as frontline as you can get going throughout northeast China into affected areas to lead all the prevention and control work. So that's how he developed the idea of wearing this thick mask. So he explains all his experiences and shows him the receipts and the French guy basically humiliates him and says, you know, in very racist terms, what can we expect from, you know, a Chinaman? And to prove his point, this French doctor goes and attends all the sick in a plague hospital uh, without wearing Wu's mask. And then like two or three days later dies of the plague. Yeah, that's what, yeah, I, I could have called that. <laughs> and after that, more people started using some of these face masks. So between January and February of 1911, you'll note the year, uh, production started to ramp up to unknown numbers, and you started seeing them everywhere. Medical staff wore them, soldiers wore them, uh, even some everyday people wore them. And not only did this help limit the spread of the plague, but they actually became a modern symbol of medicine looking an epidemic right in the eye. So this is really the time when you start to associate masks with uh, physicians. Neat. Okay, so before this, this was, okay, everyone can use this who knows how to make it or who has access to it. And then it became more and more specialized as kind of a totem of medicine. Right. And to the point that, you know, around 1918 or 19, you know, when another well-known disease was starting to spread around the world, in Shanghai, face masks were already being promoted as fashion accessories. In the 20s, you guys, like the, ninth, the late 19-teens and 20s, uh, they were already using face masks as fashion accessories. I love it. <laughs> that makes me so happy. And then you start to see contemporary magazines showing a bunch of people in masks in advertising because capitalism. Yeah. And Santosh, I believe you saw one of these ads a little bit earlier 
for this uh, woman being attracted to men in the masks as signs of good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and read the caption on that? <laughs> this one was so goofy. Okay. They're sitting on like a love seat or, or a sofa. Um, both are, have cigarettes in hand, by the way. <laughs> you know, a cigarette between the fingers. The dude is on the seat with his legs crossed, kind of leaning away, and the woman is, is leaning over him, you know, sitting on the armrest and, and kind of leaning over um, in, a, in a very kind of seductive pose. So the woman says, Dear, why are you still wearing the face mask today? Is it for epidemic prevention? And the man says, No, it's for preventing your constant kisses. This is from, 19, so much. from 1936. So, as we mentioned earlier... Pretty much after Lin Tin Wu designed his filtration mask, uh, that was it. That was the end-all, be-all until around oh, quite quite a while. And the N95 mask that has become such a hot commodity is actually a descendant of Wu's design. Uh, so throughout World War One, World War Two, you started to see air filtering gas masks that wrapped around your entire head to protect and clean the air supply. So that was very similar to this mask Wu had designed. And then people began to load fiberglass filters into these kinds of masks in the mining industry to prevent coal miners' lung. Now, and that's what I think of when you say respirator, by the way. It's that, it's that gas mask where you completely control the intake and exhalation of every breath. And that's, there's a good reason for that, Ward, because the original respirators were pretty large and difficult to wear, and that's because of the filters. You know, breathing through fiberglass, sucking air through fiberglass, takes a lot of effort. And especially if you're wearing a full thing on your head, you know, it's it's trying to drink through a straw, but with oxygen. Um, so even by the 50s, people were beginning to understand the dangers of inhaling asbestos, but people working with asbestos still didn't want to wear the bulky respirator masks. So imagine working in like, I don't know, the mines or construction in 85 or 90 degree heat and having your head wrapped in rubber as you try and suck air in through a straw's opening to protect not, yourself from an invisible threat. Yeah, it's not really a livable condition or a workable condition for that. That's why nowadays with, um, with ER doctors and anesthesiologists, when we really do have to wear a respirator, we use the battery powered hood with a fan in there. <laughs> To keep our heads cool, because otherwise your head's gonna, your face is gonna be stuck to the mask after an hour or so. They had to come up with something a little bit better than a full body enclosure, and that's when we saw the very first single use N95 dust respirator developed by 3M. Um, what year do you suppose that was invented? Uh, Ward, you, we we played a game with you where it was called Timelines. And you had to guess which oh, came right. first. So, I would place that between the atomic bomb and the... Oh, and the okay, how about thing. this? How about this? <laughs> which came first? The N95 mask or the movie Jaws? Oh, ooh, I'll vote. Um, ooh. I'll say N95 came before Jaws. Yeah, so 3M developed its N95 dust respirator in 1972, and Jaws came out in 1975. Oh, nice. Oh, just three years. Pretty darn close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
the the right on each other's heels. So can I just say that it's it's basically it's basically it's a mask that fits your face with just more heavy duty fiber. (laughs) I'm surprised that it took until 1972 to invent it. So what made these so special? Well, the design. Uh, when you look at it at a microscopic level, it looks like someone was playing pickup sticks, you know, with ionically charged particles. So particles, whether it's miners dust like silica or viruses, fly into this maze of sticks and then get stuck having to make all these turns, dodging it like some sort of Star Wars X-Wing run. And on top of that, 3M also added a little bit of an electrostatic charge to the material, so small particles find themselves sort of pulled in or directly repulsed away from the part of, uh, from the fibers. And because there's so many big holes in between these fibers, comparatively, breathing is a lot easier than wearing a rubber mask around your head. Oh, nice. So you can use charge and size in order to filter, but you can still breathe. Right, and that's the masks that we're wearing today, largely. I really, really love it. Um, I, I like that there was a thought of masks in different places around the world, and the, the kind of incarnations of them showed up in different spots, but that the technology built on itself in such a, like, kind of a cool manner that we have it right now. Oh, it's also kind of nice because I, I, having, I do actually own one of these, um, the, the P100 masks, the, the ones that look like a gas mask. And that sort of mask, the, the old school gas mask looking masks, puts a lot of pressure on your face. So your face is actually, the skin there is pretty delicate. If you wear it for more than, you know, five hours, it, it really starts to get irritated. And I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of healthcare providers who spend, you know, 12 hour shifts in these masks. Their faces actually get pretty torn up. By these masks. Yeah, and it's it's the part where they bite into the skin where for an N95 where it has to seal across the bridge of your nose and your cheeks. And it's that seal. And then um then along the bottom, kind of in the like the beard chin area, um, in order for in order to prevent airborne um, particles getting in, it really has to have that tight, tight seal. Um, I'm actually really happy to find out that for the sake of this particular pandemic for SARS-CoV-2, that you actually don't usually need a seal that tight in order to prevent from catching this virus from others. Yeah, really, the only time I think in my life before COVID that I used to use N95s were for the rare patients with active tuberculosis. I know we've covered this before, but I wanted to just make sure it's fresh in everybody's mind. What are we talking about when we say airborne and droplet? We have precautions that we talk about in medicine when you're talking about isolation and epidemiology. The first is contact. That's where things can transmit if you touch it, either with your clothes or your hands, and then you can transport it elsewhere. The obvious example of this is diarrheal illnesses like C. diff. The next is droplet. These are diseases that are transmitted when you cough, sneeze, or talk, and you generate these large droplets, which cannot travel very far. They can travel about three to six feet, and then they land on the ground because they're heavy enough that they fall due to gravity. So for droplet precautions, we use just the regular you know, surgical mask, not the full respirator. 
And we also do recommend often using eye protection, um, certainly with COVID-19. And that's where COVID fits right now. Aerosolized particles are ones which are teeny, tiny, tiny. So they're small uh, fluid droplets which can travel a long, long way because they're not all that heavy. And this is what we call airborne precautions. And when you're under airborne precautions, the really common one that we quote is tuberculosis, but measles are also airborne. Um, varicella, which is chickenpox, is airborne. These you need to use an N95 respirator when you're going into the room. Otherwise, the, the particles are so small that they can slip in on the edges of the mask and get you sick. We also put those patients who have airborne disease in what's called a negative pressure room so that even when you open the door, the air always comes into the room and doesn't wash out into where all the other patients are. So that, those are the three types of precautions that we use, contact, droplet, and airborne. Now, the N95, the longer that you wear it, the more it actually helps to uh, filter. Little fibers, as they clog up more and more particles, are able to form walls that block even bigger particles. And as such, the longer you wear the mask, the better it becomes up to a point, about eight hours or so, before it becomes too clogged to effectively filter or even allow you to really breathe. But I think we'll close out with a fun little bit of trivia. Do you guys know what the N95 actually stands for? Because there are different grades of N, right? You can have an N99 or an N95. Is that the size of particle that can yeah, get through? That's what I think, too. I think the 95 is must have been the particle parameter. What is the N? So yeah, so you're right. The, the number is a particle parameter. So 95... Uh, stands for the 95 micron, which is the largest size droplets that uh, the mask can filter out, or the smallest size they can filter out, or the largest they'll let through. And really, we didn't start improving or even bothering to mess about with this technology until the 1990s, and again, went to the industrial world to do it. Uh, so it's more designed to filter out dust particles and pollution. But any guesses what the N stands for? nano maybe like it's like uh, no they're not they're not nanometer scale they're they're actually micron scale um no i it stands for not resistant to oil what really we all know that a wet mask doesn't work but you know it can still hold up to a little bit of saliva or droplets as sure. again that's what it's meant to filter out a little bit of moisture but the second any oil gets onto that mask kiss it goodbye because <laughs> the mask is not resistant <laughs> weird oh okay so uh that's it for this week as always, we love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. This show is produced by me with a lot of help from all of our co-hosts. Our theme music is composed by Rachel Leisure. If you'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially, you can find links to do that in the show notes, along with links to all the sources we use to research this episode. And until next time, 
as always, happy travels. Bye, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.